RadioInfluence.com. You are in the trenches with former Buccaneers offensive lineman Ian Beckles on Radio Influence. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to In the Trenches. This is Ian Beckles coming at you, and this is the podcast that it breaks down football scientifically. And uh, I'm not a scientist, but I've been around football for a while. And what I do is I bring scientists with me. And that's why I brought the great Michael Clayton with me. What's up, brother? What's up, baby? You doing all right? Scientific. Yeah. We keep it scientific, yes. Oh, yeah. I like, no I like that analogy. I, I can I can do that. No doubt. Well, we have, uh, we're making this a big broadcast now. We've been dealing with Radio Influence for a while. They do a wonderful job. We also have We Being TV, where we're going to be um, filming it as well. And uh, we're going to be, I've done this in the trenches for a while. We have some good numbers. Michael and I did the podcast last week. I even had my boss, you know, over there at the iHeart tell me how great it was. You you were part of iHeart. It's always good to have former players who know the game. Yeah. I think that uh, our media today, they do a great job covering teams, but they lack in football knowledge, mm-hmm. I've recognized over the years. So it's always good to get some clarity from guys who've been in the trenches, guys who've you know, whether that storm played the game to give you a football perspective so you can be accurate in your assessments. Definitely with the Bucks. No doubt. Well, and Mike and, Mike and I are going to create a, another podcast or webcast. We can see us as well. Uh, we came up with the name Slobber Knockers. And if you don't know what that means, look it up. Uh, I consider myself back in the day when I was a slobber knocker. Hell, I'm still a slobber knocker. There you go. And Mike was too. Listen, I, and I don't <laughs> put that on a lot of receivers. You're one of very few I would put that on. Listen, we we played the game how it was supposed to be played mm-hmm. at LSU. We uh, established a physical dominance, and that came from our wide receiver core, kind of permeated through the whole team. And that's how I played the game of football, you know, since I was young, in the pros. A lot of people know me, remember me from blocking, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, that's just how you played the game. We saw a lot of blocking from Chris Godwin, Bruce Arians calls out mm-hmm. his receivers, uh, the great Bill Muir said, no block, no rock. So I, that was ingrained in me from, you know, my time with the Bucks and uh, before, even before then at LSU. No doubt. I was with Bill Muir with the Jets very briefly. Uh, and the Jets at that time, Bill Parcells was a head coach. And when I got there, I was astounded at the amount that they like this harped on the wide receivers blocking. Right. It's it's essential. Right. You know, and I, I mean, you know, y'all's pretty, y'all's a pretty dudes with long towels and all that stuff. And we were in the trenches, but if you play for the Jets and Bill Muir and Bill uh, and Bill Parcells, you're gonna have to get down and dirty. Absolutely. And we all know that the the NFL is a game of big plays. Mm-hmm. And usually when you see big plays in the running game, you will have a wide receiver blocking. No doubt. And usually when you have, you know, gains of 10, 15, you're like, oh, he, he should have broke it or he yeah. could have had a chance. Of, it's probably because the wide receiver wasn't blocking. Absolutely. So those that makes a big difference. It kind of kind of sets the difference between a good team and great teams, uh, uh, contenders and champions. Mm-hmm. Uh, receivers who do the dirty work usually uh, lends to uh, big plays uh, with your running backs, and that's always a, a, a great asset to have. No doubt. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to break down a couple of different stories going on in the NFL. Then we're going to come back and talk about our lowly Buccaneers that seem like the same old Bucks. They figure out ways to lose. Um, you know, you lose to a rookie quarterback in his first start at, in, at home. There's no way to slice that as – being a successful outing, okay? I don't give a crap how many points you scored and all that, but we're going to get back to that. So let's talk, talk a little bit about some of the things going on in the NFL now. 
we'd be remiss to not talk about Antonio uh, Brown, who every day for a month did something else stupid. <laughs> like I never seen anybody do so many stupid things in a row. You got to figure eventually you're going to see you're heading in a wrong path and slow right. something down. But, you know, you talk about somebody play the game right. Antonio Brown as a football player is one of the best receivers I've ever seen. Yeah. But he's the first one in the history of the NFL who it's too much to deal with. It's never happened before. Yeah, it's uh, it's difficult to watch. And from my experience, Ian, like this is a direct reflection of having a, a corner full of yes men mm. where everybody agrees with you, you're always right, and you're never wrong. And consistently, what we've seen is Antonio Brown lash out at others. Correct. And not ever take responsibility ever. for his own actions. And it's led to him... Uh, missing out on $30 million plus dollars. Uh, n- probably won't play in the NFL ever again. And most importantly, he's closed the door on all of his endorsements for life mm-hmm. after football. You know, once once the NFL closed the door, Ian, we know... <laughs> it's shut. It's shut. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's tough to make a million dollars, man. Yes, it is. And uh, it's the easiest money in the world when you've done it your whole life, and once you finish and you live a life respectable or have a respectable career, there are many more opportunities that may make you more money yeah. after football than when you played. If you do it right. And when, if you do it right. Mm-hmm. And what he's done is he shut the door. You know, you figure a guy made $30 million, he has to be able to make at least $10 million, uh after football. Sure. You know, whether that's commentating, <laughs> whether that's, you know, doing something, endorsement deals. Mm-hmm. But he's ruined that. And we've seen this happen before. Uh, everybody who's had a problem that we look at as great players, Terrell Owens. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a list of guys sure. that come come to mind. Keyshawn, that Keyshawn, Keyshawn Johnson. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, e- even, even guys like Warren Sapp, you mm-hmm. know, great player, but w- w- they're not present. Like we would want them to sure. to match their great careers because of how I believe that they chose to treat the tag while they wore the tag, and it's 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 sad to see, man. Um, you you just hope that the, the the guy Antonio Brown he gets help, that he has some type of influence in his life that can get him help. We've seen some tragedies happen, and mm-hmm. I don't blame everything on CTE. But this this uh, he's th- this types yes. this types of these types of actions let you know that something is wrong. Well, uh, and something, the C- something is wrong mentally. And I've brought up CTE before, and believe me, I'm not using CTE as an excuse for anybody to do anything. Now, but you have to be curious for somebody to be doing. Okay, there's some people are they're, they're just ballistic people. They do crazy. They do some off the wall stuff. Okay, but when you're doing irrational things, right. okay, it's irrational to catch a ball in practice and then go throw the ball over the fence. It's irrational. You're not doing anything. It's irrational to call your well-established GM cracker ass cracker in front of everybody. Right. It's irrational. It's and now. I, the whole CTE thing, there's a lot to that because some of the stories, especially with women, uh, th- those are not okay stories. And when you're talking about breaking the law, I said I said this before this all happened. I go, at the end of this, he's going to end up in jail. I said that a long time ago, before he got kicked out. Right. So at this point, I, I'm going to disagree with you with this. I think he plays again. 
I think he takes a year. Somebody sits him down and says, yo, this is the way it goes. Right now you have your earning potential is literally zero. Okay. Get yourself right and make yourself a success story. So if a year from now he goes to rehab, he goes to some, you know, counseling, he has somebody speak on his behalf, you know, he says, I- I've learned from my mistakes, I'm sorry. He hasn't come close to doing that yet. Right. Okay, but when he does that, I believe it's a possibility the NFL says, well, let's take a chance on him because there's really, there's only one player in the whole world walking around the street right now who's good enough to play in the NFL isn't. You know who it is? No. Colin Kaepernick. Everybody else in the world that's good enough to play in the NFL is playing Playing. right now, except for Colin Kaepernick. So if AB a year from now is still good enough to play in the league, they'll put him back in the league because Colin, and there's people that have murdered people and come back in the league, and Colin can't come back. Right. Well, I just, I, I think that his track through New England and how that ended up was detrimental to his opportunities to play because we, we put New England on the pedestal. They've mm-hmm. taken chances on players that have had problems and they've been able to kind of uh, cater to them and help them become better people within their, their championship culture. Mm-hmm. And the fact that that did not happen with Antonio Brown leads me to believe that no team – if New England can't do it, which they're the team mm. that's that's labeled as, sure. you know, taking a chance on those type of guys, mm. if they can't do it, it's a big risk. And to add on the fact that he's done it to three teams. Correct. Pittsburgh, you know, the Raiders, and then now the, the Patriots. Three organizations yeah. that are historically Very great so. organizations. Maybe top. So you, maybe you maybe. have a, a an organization like uh, – um, you can't even put Cleveland in there anymore because now no. they've they've over the years they've brought in some great players. But you look at like maybe a Cincinnati, maybe a Jacksonville, or one of those organizations who are struggling. But when you have those type of marquee players, you need them to be the face of your franchise. In my opinion, Antonio Brown has kind of messed that up. He has. He's messed that up, and and you know, Ian, when guys play in the league, and Antonio has made great money these mm-hmm. past what four or five years. So now you say he has no earning potential. That means if he gets an opportunity, he's going to have to come in and play for veteran minimum. And I don't see Antonio Brown playing for a veteran minimum, even playing for a million dollars when he's used to playing for upwards to five, six, seven million dollars a year. But if you step out, if you step out the league for a year and reality bites you in your ass. And you realize how much money a million dollars truly is? I think it is. takes more than a year to realize. It, it may take more to, to realize that. Like, it, like remember when T.O. was going through his troubles? Yeah. Like, it, like two years after he after he went through it, then mm-hmm. and paying $50,000 or $100,000 a month in bills, it was like two years, then he wanted to come back yeah, of course you and get back in. So, <laughs> and with pride, I know pride is going to play a factor. Antonio Brown himself mm. said that I'm not playing in the NFL anymore. So now you have to, you know, his pride is going to be, I'm going to be a man of my word. Mm. So now it's going to take an intercession of some type of wisdom, some type of uh, mentor to get to him so that he can eat his words, humble himself, see himself for what he's done, apologize for, and then move forward. If that doesn't happen, I don't see him... I don't see him taking the steps to having an opportunity to play in the league just because of how he messed it up with the three great organizations that he had the opportunity to play for. Just apologizing is great, okay? 
knowing you did something wrong is more important to right. me than apologizing and, you know, having some humility. We should sick uh, Tony Dungy after him and let Tony Dungy sit him down. He would be perfect. Now, there's another situation with another player with Jalen Ramsey. What's a little bit different. He's still he's still a Jacksonville Jaguar. Um, he does, He wants out. They don't have to let him out, okay? He's under contract. He could just say he could just sit there and rot. He's sick today, but today he can't, he let them know <laughs> that he's sick, and he probably won't be there for the practice today or maybe this week. So, usually they you fake an injury, but he he doesn't want to be part of it. You're a better football team with him. Everybody knows that. Right. When when he when they when he said he doesn't want to be there, they I believe 31 teams contacted them. Well, we I think we got to be careful with that, Ian, because I've heard a lot of the national media say that he doesn't want to be there. But he himself he came, hasn't really said it. He himself came out and said I didn't put that out there. Mm-hmm. The Jacksonville Jaguars put that out there yeah. and then when we look at it you know i always say this the big bad media has the power mm-hmm. to sway the fans opinions of a player which is what excited me about having the opportunity you know to utilize radio platforms and tv platforms sure. and webcast platforms to kind of give you guys the real jalen Ra- ramsey never said that he wanted out but yet everybody is talking about Jalen Ramsey wants to be out. The Jacksonville sure. Jaguars, in my opinion, have created this monster themselves Correct. with arrogance from, you know, a, a guy who not. Well, yes, arrogance. A guy like Tom Coughlin, who I have a great deal of respect for, who will not change his way of doing things. Nope. It's a sense of pride. It's a sense of arrogance. I did see Tom Coughlin change some of the way he he operated the team on a day-to-day basis uh, when I played my two years with the New York Giants. Well, he had but overall, when he's at that position and just having to – his job is to create a firm foundation for the team. He won't change. No, He won't not. change in that. He knows what he knows. And I think that by them not wanting to – I mean, great organizations, when you have great people like Tom Coffin, they don't want those problems. The New England Patriots showed you, like, as great of a player as, as he is. Yeah, it's not worth it. It's we don't not want, worth it. We don't want those problems. Well, the so, New England Patriots, more so than any other team I've ever seen, is about their logo. Right. Okay, it's not about, it's not even about Tom Brady. It's not. Even when you try to gas up Tom Brady, Belichick will bring it right back to it's a team thing. Right. And when Belichick is sitting up there in a press conference and they're 2-0 and and only the questions are about Antonio Brown, it's not worth it anymore for right. him. And he and he he has no tolerance for right. anything. And and we had an interview with Lou Holtz the other day, and he was in his 80s, and we were like, I don't know if we really want Lou Holtz. He was amazing. amazing. Oh, he yeah, he's, amazing. he's still present. And he said one thing that I swear to God I'm going to keep on using. And I could use you could use it as a parent as well. He goes, don't lower your standards. Don't lower your standards. And yeah. New England won't lower the standards. And neither will Jacksonville. Right, right. You and that, that was, you know, to, to your point, Ian, I played at LSU under Coach Saban. Coach Saban, Coach Belichick are, are great very friends. Very similar, yeah. They run their oil with New England was once called LSU North because <laughs> Bill Belichick would would sign all of undrafted guys out of LSU and they would become Pro Bowlers mm. or great players in New England. And when I got to LSU, Ian, I saw uh, Damian James, one of the best safeties in the SEC at the time, got kicked off the team. 
Uh, there was a few more other players, I forget their names, but they got kicked off the team too. Mm-hmm. And I was a freshman. I'm coming in like, wait, these guys were all SEC Doesn't players. Matter. And I see Coach Saban walking in the locker room, yeah, like, get your ass out of here, yep. you're done. And I'm like, but he's our starting corner. Matter. And immediately that changed my perspective of operating at LSU. I knew that I could be on the chopping block if I didn't buy in to mm-hmm. the way. And it was very important. I went on to win a national championship and I understood why Coach Saban was building that culture. Bill Belichick has so many championships. They understand why they have that culture and they're not willing to take that chance regardless of how good of a player he is. And if they're, they're, they are willing to take the chance because they know that they have the power to help and to ch- create change. Mm-hmm. But the minute that they feel... You know, that Josh uh, Josh Gordon, it was interesting to mm-hmm. me to see him have mistakes. Yeah, They stuck with the guy. Mm-hmm. Why? Because they know he's a great player, but they know he's a good person. He's not a bad person. He's, a, he's, he's inflicting things on himself. Correct. Very different from Antonio Brown, who's inflicting injustices on other people. Correct. All right. Josh Gordon was more on himself. Mm-hmm. They stuck with him, and now he's a better person mm-hmm. and making great plays. So, like you said, Lou Holtz, great person uh, to this day, still present. Mm-hmm. I got a chance to spend some time with Lou Holtz at the LSU and uh, a Notre Dame game. Yeah. Uh, a few years ago, we were the Grand Marshals in a parade. So he always has uh, meaningful like quotes that you can you can utilize. But, yeah, don't lower your standards. Period. Now, the, as far as the NFL goes, we're here. We're we're Buccaneer fans. We're here in Tampa Bay. We were hoping we were about to take a step in the right direction. We took a big step backwards yesterday. But as far as the NFL goes, we talk about the Patriots. We could talk about the Steelers, Kansas City, Philadelphia. Some of those teams that have been there, you know. Um, give me your sleeper team. That a team that is ready to take the next step uh, of of getting. Getting to that next level, give, give me give me one team you would say it would be your sleeper team. Man, as much as I want to say, you know, being the current situation, you know, the first team that comes to mind, sleeper, and this is not really a sleeper yeah. team because you expect great things out of the New Orleans Saints. Drew Brees goes down, yeah. you feel like all is lost. And you feel like, you know, they can't compete, all right? NFC South, they've mm-hmm. known to run the division. What will they do? Teddy Bridgewater has been, you know, uh, tutored under uh, Drew Brees mm-hmm. last year. He knows this offense. He has a, a, a bad game considerably last week, and I talked about this. Teddy Bridgewater, he was flicking the ball really quick, and it was very difficult for mm-hmm. wide receivers to make the in-game adjustment to catch a different ball that's sure. coming. Mm-hmm. We saw him at full week of practice. He balled out. Receivers were catching balls last mm-hmm. week. It was a great adjustment. So I say a sleeper team. Everybody thought New Orleans Saints was out yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah. But I think that they're going to be proud. They got some great players mm-hmm. around uh, Teddy Bridgewater uh, to play. Sleeper team. That's kind of a hit. You know, you don't really consider New Orleans a sleeper team. The biggest sleeper team, though, the Cleveland Browns. I think that in due time. You think they're ready? I don't think that they're ready right now. They're in their first year, first year offense, so to speak, first year players. Mm -hmm. It's going, it always takes time as a team. I just think that they have a lot of talent defensively and offensively to, to, to be that contending team that can compete to, to, to get into the playoffs. I think the Cleveland Browns are set to, to make a drastic change 
in comparison to what they've done in the past year. Well, a lot of people were gassing up the Cleveland Browns before the season. I was kind of tempering, you know, some of that emotion. But I was like, listen, Baker Mayfield's in his second year. And a lot of times you put somebody in as a rookie. And Daniel Jones, probably a great example. You put them in as a rookie. They don't know any better. Right. So they just, they're just kind of willy-nilly and they're winging it. And it works. Sometimes in your second year, you kind of say, this is not easy because the coaches are now asking a little bit more from you. There's a little bit more reads. And I think that's where Baker Mayfield is, you know, as a quarterback in his second year. Now, for myself, at the beginning of the year, I picked the Dallas Cowboys to go to the Super Bowl, okay, because I just think they got everything there. And I picked the Texans. I'm going to stay with the Texans. I think the Texans are a team that have some pretty darn good football players, yeah. okay? They have, they have some great football players. Right. They let Clowney go. That happens. Uh, Clowney's one of those guys that kind of did his own thing a lot of times as well. Um, but I think the Texans with J.J. Watt, uh, with what, what uh, Deshaun Watson, Hopkins, and all those guys out there, I think they're ready to take they take that next step. Now, when you say sleeper team, is that sleeping in terms of competing for a world championship, world championship. or just making to the playoffs? Uh, well, I would. I think some people pick the Texans, you know. Most people pick the Cowboys. But I think the Texans are going to go all the way myself. I don't think so. I mean, if unless something – well, something tragic has to happen in New England, by the way. It has to because I'm not sure anybody can beat them. I'm not positive. You think anybody can beat New England? You yeah, think? Uh, yes. How yeah, many games do you think New England loses this year? I mean – More than three? Not a chance. Not a chance. It's, it's tough to say against Tom Brady. But, yes, they are beatable. Um are they? You, they are beatable. You know, you have to. The only way to beat the New England Patriots is with a, the most physical. Punch them in the mouth. Punch them in the mouth. You know, I faced the New England Patriots twice. New York Giants, we beat them twice in the year we won the Super that was a Bowl. Long time ago, dog. And it was I <laughs> tore, I tore both of my thumbs up. Mm-hmm. All right, I went on IR after that game, week ten, on special teams, slamming people yeah. through the ground. And that's just what type of game it was. Mm. All phases, physical, punch them in the mouth. And we came out victorious. It wasn't a pretty game, but we were the most physical team in both games in Week 10 and in the Super Bowl. And we came out victorious. There are not a lot of physical teams out there. No. No. There's not. There's not a lot of physical teams out there, you know. Uh, And when you, you know. uh, Steelers used to be. They're not anymore. They're not anymore. I beg to differ. Mm. I, I think that the the Steelers will, in my opinion, will always be a physical team. They have a DNA of, they're just nasty. That's I mean, mentality. Devin Bush. I mean, he's just the kid is just nasty. Mm-hmm. He's nasty, and they 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 embody that persona of a physical team. Uh, they ain't scare nobody no more. Well, they, really. they, I mean, you know, we, we, we look at the big names, Harrison and Palomalu and yeah. all of these big headhunter guys that they don't have anymore. They're just in a transitional period. You know, Shazir, he goes down. He yeah. was a great physical yeah, player. Um, and we're trying to find those new guys. We just don't know them yet. Yeah. But they only draft one way. Yes, they do. They only bring in the guys that play the game mm-hmm. how it was played back in the day. We just haven't discovered those big-name players. But I, I wouldn't say that they're not a physical team. You know? Okay, speaking of physical teams, speaking of putting players in the right uh, place to win, uh, our Buccaneers went into Sunday 1-1. One and one. Uh, The New York Giants are coming to town. The lowly New York Giants at 0-2. Uh, quarterback playing his first game ever uh, in the NFL. Now, <laughs> starting, starting. He got a little mop up dude. Yeah, last a little week. bit, a little bit. Now, 
It can't get no easier than that. It can't. With a team that hasn't won, rookie quarterback in your house, you're full strength. The Bucs are full strength. We got one of the better defenses, allegedly, in the league. It don't get no easier than that. And we lose in Buccaneer fashion. If you look at the box scores, if you didn't know the score and you looked at the box score, you would like the Bucs won. Yeah. Because the Bucs figure out ways to lose. There's It's so many different ways. Now, the Buccaneers are 1-2. and two. Is it the end of the world? No. But the Buccaneers could have been 3-0. The Buccaneers could have been 0-3. Yeah. But the long and short of it is we've won one game against Carolina that I believe would have beat the Bucs if they used their backup quarterback other than Cam Newton, who was clearly beat up and shouldn't have been out Right, because he missed a lot of open receivers. So and, what we did, saw, and we saw that backup quarterback was, complete, complete the ball. So after watching that game yesterday, what are the Bucs? What are they? <sighs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna take you inside the locker room of what those guys are feeling right now. Mm-hmm. Honestly, Ian, I think that you know when you play in the NFL, there's not, you know, you may feel like there's a team that you're supposed to beat, but you always know that it's any given Sunday. Correct. So, in my opinion, these players on the Bucks team are still confident mm. because. Offensively, you had a great first half. Unbelievable. New York Giants made the adjustments at halftime. You weren't as successful, but you made the plays when you needed to make the plays. That says a lot for an offense. I call it an at-will offense. You you move the ball at will. You score at will. We did that, mm-hmm. all right? Offensively, I see, especially in two-minute football, situational football, when when you can drive the ball mm-hmm. with seconds and put yourself in, that's a great feeling. Correct. That's a great – it doesn't always happen at practice. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, you're you worried when it doesn't happen at practice, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, of how you're going to perform in the game. And so when it happens, mm-hmm. how you expect it to happen, that that's a, that's a sense of encouragement, mm-hmm. man. So I feel like these players offensively – are locked in. They're ready to go. They know that they can do what they need to do to win the game. We just got to make the field go. For those of you that love to watch football like I do, there's only one thing that makes watching football more exciting than just watching our games, and that's betting on the game a little bit. And if you're going to bet on the game, you might as well do it legally, and I do it with mybookie.ag. Now, once again, there's a lot of people betting every day. They're doing it illegally. You just never know what's going to happen, and I like to do it the right way. And right now, it's a great time to hook up with mybookie.ag. Now, I wouldn't be telling you guys about this. I did. If I didn't use it myself, I've never had any problems with these guys. And let me tell you something. Um, where you're betting is almost as important as who you're betting on. So right now, head over to mybookie.ag. They're the best in the business. And right now, you can join, and mybookie is going to double your first deposit. So you deposit 1000 they double it. So what you want to do is use the promo code INTRENCHES, that's I-N-T-R-E-N-C-H-E-S, to activate the offer. That's promo code INTRENCHES. Visit mybookie. Dot ag today you play you win you get paid and i guarantee you'll be happy with the whole process so once again mybookie.ag promo code in trenches defensively i felt that we brought pressure we played poorly in the secondary mm-hmm. and that was our weakest our weakest spots our defensive line brought pressure shaq barrett had is a beast had a had an all-world game again uh again 
and we were physical at the point of attack. We tackled, we tackled well, mm-hmm. uh, in my opinion. We just we gave up some some big plays in the secondary. Vernon Hargraves didn't play his 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 best game, and he was picked on. Mm-hmm. I think that this team, coached under Bruce Arians, will stay locked in. I don't think that they they will take this loss to heart because of how they lost. They lost because they didn't make a field goal. It's tough to lose that way, but it isn't detrimental because you did enough good things in the game to let you know, to reaffirm that, hey, we can win football games with our team. And I think that they reinforced that. And again, under Bruce Aarons, I don't see them sliding sliding uh, underneath the table well, after this loss. I think they took a step back for me, okay, because from what I thought they were before the game, the game undid it. The game undid it. I, this one, I, I was like, okay, what's going to happen is we're going to have a slobber knocker type game. It's going to be a smash mouth game, and you got to win a low scoring type run the football type game. And defensively, we did that. We well, shut Saquon well, Barkley down. He gave up 30 something points to a rookie quarterback I mean, in his first start yeah, at home. We keep saying rookie quarterback, but. That's he, what he is. But he didn't play like a rookie. He didn't. But you know what? He, he will. He will play like he a rookie. He will, but he didn't play like a rookie this week. Okay, let me give you this, okay? What would happen if Monty Kiffin's defense was out there and you put that rookie out there at home? They would have lab- well, wasted his ass. Well, it's a that's a different look. We don't we don't play it's a zone coverage. Feel. It's a different rookie quarterback throwing in the zone coverage. That's difficult. That's more reading. Mm-hmm. You got to be more decisive. Maybe he's not ready to go against a zone, a, a sound zone coverage team. Man-to-man coverage, you're focusing. You see your guy one-on-one, mm-hmm. that's an easy throw and catch. That's an easy read. That's though. what we did. Mm-hmm. They beat us on man-to-man coverage. So it was easier for the rookie to make those throws. You're going against a Monty Kiffin zone defense that's sound, that's that's more difficult. Well, what what do we do we not expect? It to get worse when we have to play against Jared Goff and then Breeze when he comes back. Do we not expect it to get worse? I don't know if you expect it to get worse, but you can expect to be challenged. Yeah. So we've seen Vernon Hargraves make some big plays this year. We've seen him not make the big plays. What we're lacking is that Jalen Ramsey type of corner. You know, uh, we've never had one. We we well not really. Uh well once again, Jalen Ramsey's a lockup guy. We've had a bunch I, of zone guys and we've we've lived and died not, with the right, pass rush. Right, right, right. With but we played rush. like guys guys that I played with in my opinion were considered Brian Kelly on the on the outside. Yeah, Brian Kelly was nice. In my opinion, lockdown. Yeah. Rondé Barber in the slot made a play every single game. For real. Every game every Rondé game. was making play. Lockdown, in my opinion, you can trust him. He's going to make a play. He may get beat, but he's going to make a play. Yeah, absolutely. We haven't had that guy. Like Vernon Hargraves has made some plays, but not, not in the category as a playmaker. Not enough. He don't make enough plays that it's going to make up for his mess ups. Because I could see right. him on the wrong end of right. coverage right. a lot. And he's 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 been he's been beat enough to where teams are not afraid of him. He's not tall. He's not big. And if he's not in the perfect position, he won't make the play. And that's 
and 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 you got guys like Jalen mm. Ramsey. Those guys are great because they don't need to be in the perfect position. There's not a lot of them though to make a play. There's not a lot of Jalen. There's, not a, there's, there's not, not a lot of guys out there. That's, and that's why, one thing that we that we're, we're missing. That's why somebody said, "Well, what team could use Jalen?" I said, "Stop." All of them. All of them. Every single one can yeah. use a shutdown corner that you can put on somebody's best player and not worry about that dude. Every single team, period. Speaking of quick shout out, there's a freshman corner at LSU, Stingley. Stingley? Stingley. Ian. This kid left, graduated high school early. Mm-hmm. Practice with LSU during the bowl game last wow. year. He was the best corner on the field out of high school. Whoa. I watched him for three days straight uh-huh. uh, a few weeks ago, uh, and I'm watching him practice. He follows uh, our number one receiver around all practice. He's poised. When I see this kid, yeah. he is the epitome of lockdown corner. He will literally be the first pick of the draft. If, like if, that? If, a, if a team is looking for a shutdown corner, yeah. if that's their priority, it's Stingley. This kid, I'm talking – He's amazing. No, I believe that. He's, he runs a 4-3. He's yeah. confident. He never panics. Yeah. And he plays the position like you want a, well, you know a defensive what it look, back to you play. You know what it looks like. I, absolutely. You know, and, and people have played know what it looks like. I heard of a guy like that at Indiana one time. My boy was like, wait till you see this dude. I go, dude, this Indiana. He goes, wait till you see him. You know who it was? Antoine Randallel. Yeah. He goes, this kid is best is, is the best player we got at every position. <laughs> he goes, when he was redshirted, he goes, if they had a great quarterback, he played quarterback. If they had a great running back, he played running, running back. back. He goes, he could play DB, play receiver. It doesn't matter. Yeah. So that's great. You can't fake that greatness, especially that early. Yeah. Uh, but you know, listen, our Buccaneers here, we have to figure out a way because the Bucs don't come back home for like 40-something days, okay? That's a long time for these fans to hope for the best. Right. But I don't know... If and Bruce Arians has done this throughout his whole career, he's turned things around real, real quick. Okay, but he's never been here. Right. And yesterday, I don't know who to blame for the, the loss. Uh, you can't just blame a rookie kicker. It's easy. Why to. not? Well, you can, but he's a rookie kicker. What do you expect? You know, he didn't ask to get we picked. Expect, we he didn't expect, ask to get picked. Why don't yeah. we go out and get Matt Bryant, who's sitting on the street well, that, at 58 a, years old, well, who I know can <laughs> kick a 40-yard <laughs> field goal at the end of the game? Well, those are the questions. You know, why don't you pull the trigger on a guy who probably created your kicking woes? Yeah. Who started the kicking crisis? Jason Light. Jason Light started all this. He started it. Listen, I like Jason Light as a person. Um, That's a a big gamble for a guy like Jason Light because he's already being ridiculed by the 100 defensive backs that he's chosen in the past two, three drafts. Uh, No O-lineman. No O-lineman. And his players, his, his free agents not performing up to par. To bring in a Matt Bryant and you've had the kicking woes, if he gets hurt, gets old, does not, the great Matt Bryant, Matt Bryant, if he doesn't perform, that makes Jason Light. It can't look worse than it looked yesterday. It makes him look oh. really, really, really bad. It makes him look worse <laughs> than if a rookie, because you expect that from a rookie. You don't expect that from Matt Bryant, and you're saying to Jason Light, you should have known the guy was going to get old. That's what they're going to say. So Ooh. in my opinion, 
No, it wasn't the best choice, obviously, because he's still kicking and he's still doing his job well. But that's a lot of pressure. Uh, sure. That was a lot of pressure on Jason. Like, he made a business decision, well, in my opinion. Well, there's been some bad business decisions from Aguayo way back when. And for him to pick another kicker in the draft, barely barely any kickers get picked. Yeah. And for you to pick a, picker, a kicker in the fifth round, I mean, you can bring an offensive lineman. You can be the defensive lineman. There's people that are effective. I was a fifth-round pick, yeah. okay? I started nine years. Tony May. Mayberry's a fourth round pick. He started nine years. That's how you build the nucleus of your football team. And when you're wasting picks on kickers that can't make kicks, yeah. that's a, if you make if you waste if you waste a first rounder on a kicker who's money, God bless you. Right. But to waste a draft pick on a kicker who sucks is a problem. Well, you, start, you talk about building a team, Ian. The one of the main things of building a team is player development. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you a quick story about Aguayo. When he's struggling, you know, we we share the same mental and conditioning coach, Trevor Moat. And Trevor worked with him at Florida State when he was the best kicker in the country. Mm -hmm. And when he was having his kicking woes, you know, um, being a part of the organization in in the capacity that I am trying to get guys – now, I wanted, I wanted Aguayo to get back with Trevor Moad mm-hmm. mentally. Sure. So lock him in mentally. I asked the Bucks, you know, like, let's get this kid because you know what happened. He's going to – it's too much pressure. Lock. He's going to continue to miss kicks, and then he's going to be gone. I told him in year one, he's going to be gone. You know what they told me? Mike, we don't do that. You don't do what? We don't – we do have – best for the athlete? They said we have our own, our own guys. Okay. And I said, listen – your own guy, I understand, but he doesn't know Aguayo's history. Sure. Get him back with the guy who's worked with him the four years at Florida State, who, when he was the best in the world, keeping him mentally locked in. The Bucks said, we don't do that. I was, I was highly upset because I said, we have to do everything. You got to do things outside the box if you want to be a championship team. Mm-hmm. You got to do what's necessary. From what I was told, the Bucks weren't willing to do what's necessary, kind of like Coach Cutter mm-hmm. in some of his cuts, not doing what's necessary. You know, you don't want to coach Jameis on how to throw a lob pass, yeah, you know, because you're thinking they get to the NFL, play the game. We're not coaching you up anymore. Now we want you to play. But there is a level of development that goes on in the National Football League, and the Bucks have missed that mark tremendously yeah, in player development. Working with guys like Deshaun Jackson, who you have him here. Develop a guy, help develop a guy, become a leader on your team, mm. utilize his talent. But when you let guys just do whatever the hell they want to do, yeah. money plays a play, pride plays a play, age plays a play, mm. and there are a lot of many different factors. And the Bucks, in my opinion, have dropped the ball on player development. And we've seen that in our rookies, not being able to be developed. And that 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 plays a, a big part in the long run. Now, the way this season's going, and I said this at the beginning of the season, I go, this is how the season's going to go. I said the Bucks, remember, the Bucks are going to go 5 and 11 or 6 and 10 cuz that's the their talent level, okay? What's going to happen is Jameis is going to play just like he's been playing. And to this point in the season, this is typical Jameis Winston. He played a horrible game. He manages the game. He never played then a horrible he, game. This year, uh, the first game wasn't great. Mm-hmm. The first game, the first game was terrible. Not first terrible. Game, uh, I wouldn't say terrible. Uh, that's, gonna, that's a little uh, bit over. Uh, was, I wouldn't was, say terrible. Well, you ain't gonna win with that play from Jameis Winston. Second game managed the game. Third game played very well, 
it might go that way all the way through 16 games. And this is what I'm going to say. Considering there was six quarterbacks start last uh, yesterday that had never started before or didn't start the week before, go ahead and get rid of your middle-of-the-road quarterback and see what happens. Yeah. Somebody's going to gobble his ass up, and there's going to be a city that's going to be happy to bring in Jameis Winston. Oh, without a doubt. Because Jameis Winston's numbers ain't that damn bad. And when I'm watching it yesterday, talk about development, I mean, we got so many weapons out there. And, you know, OJ Howard finally showed up, which is nice. I've been on him a little bit. Mike Evans is legitimate as a football player. Anybody would lo- love him. Godwin is a little up and down, but to be a number two, we're in good hands. Yeah. We, I would like to see more targets for Godwin. Um, and then you could sprinkle in whoever else. I would like to see some more from Cameron Brait. Like Cameron Brait to me, I was looking for him to get traded at the beginning of the season. For him to be making $8 million as a backup tight end, and he hasn't done much of anything to this point. Yeah. Okay, we, There's other things we need a lot more than that. As Two an touchdowns off- to call back in week one. Okay, that's, that's, and that's fine. But I'm talking about with you know, every week, you $8 million? Yeah. And he was on the side of the stadium last year. Yeah. We need more than that, okay? We need more from O.J. Howard. There's no doubt. Right. But there's talent out there. What do you think of the play calling? I thought the play call was pretty good yesterday. I thought that uh, Byron Leftwich kind of – did a good job of kind of controlling Jameis when, mm-hmm. when Jameis was kind of a little bit antsy. He took the ball out of his hands, and yeah. we established a run running the football. A little screens uh, here and there were nice. I, I thought we did everything. We did enough right okay. offensively. Okay. Um, can we get better? Yes. Will we get better? Yes. That's to be expected. First-year coordinator, first-year offense. Mm-hmm. There are going to be some growing pains, especially in the first four weeks. But I still think that we did, you know, I thought Byron did a great job of too. establishing the run game early, finding the open guys, and we did that throughout the game. Yes, we, we were, hey, defense wins. Mm-hmm. You know, they won sometimes. But we did what was necessary to put ourselves in position to win offensively. I think that, you know, we did a good job. Now, to me, I like seeing certain things. I like to see the ball run more, okay? Uh, little things like screen passes, that's scheming, okay? I love the fact they got Ronald Jones out in the open. I don't think he's a great running back. I think he's a nice kid to catch the ball out in the flats yeah. uh, on screens, get him out in the open. Um, you know, as as a whole, I thought we schemed some things open yesterday. The touchdown to Mike Evans where he just a little, little quick pop screen pass, right. I haven't seen that ever. Right. I don't think. I thought it was a great scheme. So right. Byron Leftwich is learning as he goes. As he, He's a first-time play caller as well. And he's learning Jameis' strengths, weaknesses. But we sometimes you have to call plays to win 20 to 17. I right. think, you know what I yeah. mean? And that was a problem we had in the first week. If we would have called plays to win 20 to 17, we would have right. won that game. Right. And, you know? and, and that, you know, that assessment comes when you are familiar with the team's history. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then you're able to, to pay attention to those types of details. I think that you kind of you there's other things to worry about when you're a first year offense trying to discover you guys just trying to score as many points as possible Correct. might be their priority to try to figure out what they need to do to win the game. You scoring all these points that mm-hmm. means our defense is out there, which means can our defense sustain mm-hmm. that many plays? No, it's not in our favor to score a lot of points. 
This is what we want to do. We want to run the football. We want to, you know, be in this range so game. we can take care of our defense. Those types of, of adjustments happen after the first four games, sometimes during the second half of the season, you know, when teams started to start to peak and know exactly what they want to do to win the game, those types of adjustments happen. I think we're just in a learning process right now and doing things or trying, trying to uh, utilize our weapons to our weapons. I think we got too many weapons. You might be right. You might be right. There's not enough balls to go around to all the way. We're always going to be talking about somebody who didn't show up. Mm-hmm. O.J. Howard plays well. We're not going to see Cameron Bray. Yeah. You know, Mike Evans plays well. We're not going to see that uh, much of yeah, Chris Gowan. Right, yeah. It's always and then with the establishing of the running game, mm-hmm. that that's already taking uh, 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 balls out of the receivers' mouths as well. Mm-hmm. So there's not, you know, guys just have to capitalize on their opportunities. Mm-hmm. A guy makes like Chris Godwin. Four catches, 50 yards. That's what the stat sheets are going to yeah. read. Yeah. Pedestrian type of stats, but everybody doing their job and not making mistakes. Mm-hmm. And that's what this team, I think, is going to be built on. Everybody doing their job moderately, and then that's what's going to make you a great football team. Well, listen, Godwin had four targets. Uh, he, that'll go up and down. Five targets, four catches. Yeah, okay. So you would like to think you would go there more, but... Mike Evans had 15 targets, okay? So there's only so many balls you can throw out there. So what what scares me defensively is this. There was a few years ago where the Bucs, nobody could run against the Bucs, but everybody can pass against the Bucs. That's what I'm seeing. Right. Like, I'm seeing um, I don't like the effort I saw from Adamican Sue yesterday. I don't like it, okay? I, he just kind of just seemed like he was just out there. Vita V is this not a pass rusher, he's a pusher. And he, that's just what he is. Shaq Barrett. Now, we haven't seen a pass rusher like Shaq Barrett since Simeon Rice. And he's a Shaq Barrett's a different rusher than Simeon Rice. Yeah. Okay, he. But I'm telling you, this kid is better than advertised because I'm watching the plays that he doesn't make, and he's always Almost there. He's Always hitting the quarterback, quarterback, even if the quarterback's completing the ball. Right. Shaq Barrett is coming. Like, so he's going to get sacks, and his motor is fantastic. Right. Now, we have two great motor guys on the outside. Nazib's a great motor guy. Shaq Barrett's a great motor guy. Now we need some oomph in the middle. And we can get some rush out of the middle. This team can be a beast yeah. because teams are going to throw the ball 40 times on the Bucks every single week because they can't run the ball. Yeah. They can't run the ball against us. And they're struggling in coverage. We got young corners back yeah. there. We will be tested. That is our weak link, our secondary. And we will be tested this year more and more. There's no doubt, there's no doubt about that. So like we got to get a little bit better inside, obviously. Um, and as a whole, I just don't know if the Bucks know where they are. I, I don't they're still trying to figure out their identity. Uh offensively, are we a running team? I mean, th- I thought we were going to be a running team. And at the end of the game, I look at the stats. I'm like, we should have run the ball more. Like, it, it seemed like always in my – that's my like, – I went to Indiana University, bro, okay? We ran the pill. I know you're a wide receiver. You want to throw the rock. Yeah. I get it. But if you can run the pill on somebody, nothing's more demoralizing. You watch Wisconsin play football. That's the, that's the football I yeah. grew up playing. The, the, problem, the problem with us running the football is that it's not pretty. Peyton Barber is yeah. going to run hard yards. Yeah. When you uh, when you talk about running the football, you want to see 
15 yard gashes, 20 yard gashes. That's not our running. That's not us. So it it makes it difficult to stay committed to the run when you're not getting those gashes, when the passing game is giving you 10 yards, 12 yards plus. So the situation of the game did not allow, in my opinion, we ran the football great in the first half. Mm -hmm. The situation of the game didn't allow us to run the football more. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's just not pretty. Even with Ronald Jones, when Ronald Jones, Ronald and, and, in my opinion, Ronald Jones is just he's, – he's a good back. He's just a running back. But he's not a great back. Nope. He's not going to make people miss, and he's not a starter either. Ronald Jones running the ball in between guard guard and tackle. Nah. Nothing. Nah. Not going to give you what you want. Now, can, will he have some – is he a good change of pace back? Yes, because he comes in, great energy, he, fresh legs. He can hit the ball, hit the whole heart. His thing is, he doesn't. in my opinion, he doesn't have the vision. He doesn't have the ability no. to make that first guy in the hole miss, to juke a guy, run through a guy, keep him. We saw him stumble a little bit. Mm-hmm. So he's he's it looks like he's trying to get his legs under him. Uh he's not making guys miss. I wanted him to do more with his opportunities. Uh, you know. And he had some. And, and he had some and he, he had, had some he opportunities. Had, he, had some. he played from comparison to what he's shown, yes. we say he's playing good. Mm-hmm. For people who know football, you say I want him to do better. Like, this is what we need Ronald Jones to do better if we want to be a playoff contender. Correct. We need to make that 40-yard. We need you to take that to the house. We need you to turn this 10-yard run. That's neat. That needs to be a 30-yard big play. Correct. You know, when we start having those types of gashes, then that's when I think everything is going to kind of subside and, and our offense will be defined, our identity will be defined, mm. and guys will be maximizing their potential. Well, I don't think we have that running back on our roster, okay? The two no. two guys we're giving the ball to are five yards in a cloud of dust type dudes. And I don't mean like to smash by football, but there was a couple situations yesterday and, and this year that we got the running backs to the second level yeah. for them to make two extra yards. Right. Okay, greatness sometimes goes all the way with that yeah, one. And there's, and there's not a lot of great running backs in the NFL, but we certainly do not have one. Yeah, and and I and I and the thing that hurts me kinda and it's it's not always good to bring up things like guys you could have got Vita Vea or mm. Dalvin Cook. And it's like Yeah, I get it. What it you know we needed a running back. Yeah. You know you need a running back to win in this league. We were struggling on defense, so we fulfilled yeah. that need. Opposed to, in my opinion, defense is horrible. Offensively, can we build a team to score 40 points yeah. to win games? Let's get a running back. Yeah. And we pass on. I thought it would have been a great Jameis Winston, Dalvin Cook, Florida State. Makes He's sense. in Florida. Yep. More fan support. It just, to me, it made sense to get the guy. We didn't do it. And to see Dalvin Cook turn, make guys miss, run through people, yeah. long runs, it's Difference. like, that's what I saw. That's what yeah. we needed. And we passed on it. Difference maker. But that's, the defense has changed. There's no doubt. Defense but, has changed. But Vita V can only do so much, okay, at defensive tackle. He can't win games at defensive tackle. Right. He can win games at running back. You can win games at running back. You just can't win games, games at, defense, at defensive tackle. So this is what we got. We got a one and, a one and two team. Um, and it's tough sledding from here, brother. It's tough sledding from it here. It is. And, and, and we don't have a complete team yet. No. We've... One of the things that's hard to kind of 
watch is like guys who are active that don't play. You know, mm-hmm. um, what's the kid uh, receiver? Miller, Scotty, Scotty yeah. Miller. He's activated. But you know what? Is he, isn't, he just, isn't he just a name? Like this, I've heard that name so many damn times to him for him not well, to have done he possesses. Shit. He possesses a rare speed that you know can be utilized. When you see guys like Wes, Wes Welker uh-huh. have a quickness about him, the ability to separate small body, you say, man, Scotty Miller could be, he's faster than Wes Welker. He could fit in as a third down guy. He could fit in possibly as a punt return guy. I say we're not a complete team because we haven't seen big plays in special teams yet. Understandably, kickoff, usually a touchback. Punt game, Bobo Wilson hasn't given us, you know, that flavor. Anything. Hasn't given us that flavor. Will Scotty Miller get his opportunity? Man, I want to see the key. I want to see guys who are activated. Mm -hmm. I want to see those guys produce or get opportunities to produce. If they're sitting on the sideline, I just ask the question, what for? Why are they activated if they're not playing? Sure. You don't have a specific plan for them, you know? Well, I mean, it's not like wide receiver is where we're lacking. Oh, and, by no that's means. our strength right. right now. Our strength is our wide receivers. Okay, that's what we got. Uh, I'd like to see our tight end be our strength as well. I'm hearing that we run two tight ends more than anybody else. If that's the case, then both our tight ends got to catch more damn right. balls. They got to be part of what it. What we don't have at wide receiver is that Scotty Miller, Wes Welker type of guy. You got your beast going vertical. Mm-hmm. All right, everybody, Mike, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Brashawn Pierman, you got to cover those guys. You get verticals, you press the defense, widen the defense, and then a guy like Scotty Miller on a shallow cross mm-hmm. underneath. And take it to the house. Take it to the house. Yeah. So you, I, that's what I see. Mm-hmm. We don't have that type of guy. Like Adam Humphreys was our guy last year. He gets a big payday because of what he did well. You see, he's, you not, know? he's not doing much. He's not doing he's much. Not doing he had much, a few yeah. drops, you know, but he needs – a supporting cast around him. Like Correct. I said, you need those beasts that can go vertical. Now you can utilize a guy like Adam Humphrey's ability underneath option routes. Mm-hmm. Scotty Miller, in my opinion, serves as that type of receiver. Sure. And he's the only one on the roster, in my opinion, that has that ability. Bobo Wilson has the speed. I just haven't seen his catch after uh, run after catch ability. Absolutely. You know, and, and he I've seen that out of Scotty Miller. Uh, at practice, and mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people have talked about it. Would like to see it in the game. No doubt. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, I always appreciate you sitting in. We are creating uh, another podcast uh, and a webcast as well, uh, where we're talking to my people from Bud Light Platinum. Which I gave you one right over here. Yeah, man. That Bud Light Platinum with that six percent alcohol. It tastes like Canadian it's, beer to me, which is beautiful. It's five o'clock somewhere. Mm-hmm. And this is and this is a, for all my beer drinkers out there. Yeah. And I'm not a big beer drinker, mm-hmm. but, you know, I'll have a cold one from time to time. This is 6% alcohol. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, though. So, you know, you, you, get a, you get a, you know, one or two of these and you're yeah. ready to go to the game. Well, it said it's brewed. Their, their catchphrase is brewed for the night. Brewed for the night. So don't don't be drinking them at 11 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, you, you <laughs> have to find yourself an Uber. No doubt you know about I mean? that. No doubt. Well, anybody out there, if anybody has any questions for me, it's Beckles at RadioInfluence.com. And you can ask me whatever questions. Sometimes I read them on air. Uh, and just keep keep your eyes and ears open. Uh, Mike and myself are going to be popping up with this webcast and podcast, Slobber Knockers. And for those of you with the Slobber Knocker type attitude, yeah, baby. bring your ass. Tune in. And we're going to have some great guests. 
maybe some Skype. Some VIP yeah. guests, you know, got a lot of relationships in the industry. And when me and Ian got together, we said, man, we need to utilize all of our resources to do something that's not being done mm -hmm. on the media market here in Tampa, man. Bringing so, flavors to the airwaves, you know, bringing, man. Bringing a lot of flavor to the airwaves. Funny stuff, too, man. You know, not just no talk doubt. about football stuff, but like... I watch highlights tapes, yeah. Ian, and there's some things that I crack up that have yeah, me dying do. laughing. And I hear you making notes to yourself. I'm making notes like, like, like Juju Smith-Schuster <laughs> comes up in the interview and he's yeah. oily. He's, I said, man, that dude got <laughs> some stock in CeraVe, man. <laughs> get, get, get the boy some powder, man. He's shining. Some talcum powder or something. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. just little things that make you laugh, you know, outside of the game. We want to bring that to you, man, to enjoy the season. Kind of bring you some yeah. joy. If the Buccaneers aren't... Uh, Pleasing yeah. you, maybe the slobber knockers uh, yeah. webcast will yeah, kind of bring yeah. you some joy for the week. You okay with that Minshew guy's? That's his name, Minshew. 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 Yeah, Gardner like, Minshew. You like his mustache? I love his mustache. You know, I didn't know what he sounded like. Yeah. In he sounded like he looked. He sounded just like he looked, and I was like, please, please yeah, sound man. like you got some beef jerky stuck between your your, your molar yeah. and your wisdom teeth. And, I'm just, and he was like, yeah, dude, I got it, yeah. yeah. Rock on, like, People you know, said, man, he's cool. They're going to love that energy. He was on the sideline in college football with some cutoff jean shorts. And I said, the audacity, but good for you, bro. Boss. He's getting boss it done, move. no doubt. Well, Michael, thank you, sir. And uh, we'll definitely get this done again. And we thank everybody out there for listening. And very soon we'll be watching as well. So uh, let's hope we're celebrating a big Buccaneer victory next time. And in the meantime, we're one and two. And we're still climbing up. Listen, none of this was going to be easy. Have a wonderful week. And uh, enjoy your football. Peace out. You have been in the trenches with Ian Beckles on Radio Influence. This is a Real Animals with Captain Mike Anderson Quick Fix on Radio Influence Tampa Bay. Today I'm going to get a chance to talk to my good friend Captain Glenn Taylor. Uh, many, many years uh, of experience on this guy. Really an incredible offshore, nearshore, and inshore fisherman. A great tarpon fisherman, permit fisherman. Uh, just really, really a neat guy. A big personality, lots of knowledge, lots of energy. Uh, I think this is going to be a really, really great podcast. I'm really looking forward to doing it. Again, the Real Animals podcast presented by Contender Boats. Hope you enjoy this one. The Real Animals podcast with Captain Mike Anderson can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and ritampabay.com.